In week one, we saw the Patriots suffer an embarrassing home opener loss to the Chiefs. Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson failed to earn top five finishes at their positions. But those positions were led by guys like Tariq Cohen, Jared Goff, Alex Smith, and Jesse James. Just like everyone predicted. Welcome back to football, everybody. Our week one recap starts now. Let's run up the score. You're listening to Run Up the Score, a fantasy football podcast. Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome to Run Up the Score. I am Donald Wagonblast, alongside me, my brother Scott. Hey, everybody. And Scott is giving the calling card of Tom Hillier because he is overseas right now. He's in Malta for some business that he had to attend to. and Hopefully uh, a little pleasure as well. Yeah, he. Uh, it looked like he was uh, enjoying the games at least for a little bit. Uh, he's on a big time difference, so he was basically staying up till like three o'clock in the morning watching the uh, the, the Patriots, Patriots game. Yep. So, uh, but we wish him all the best. We can't wait to see him back for week two. But right now, we are wrapping up week one. Uh, some really interesting fantasy things happened. Uh, more particularly, I felt like after the Kareem Hunt explosion, I feel like nobody really went off in a way that like won their teams a week. It was kind of just a battle of survival. Kareem Hunt stole all the fun, it seemed like. Yeah. He just went crazy enough for David Johnson and Le'Veon Bell to feel like they didn't really have to do much this week, I guess. It was such a peculiar week. Um, As we go through the games, I think we'll be able to touch into each game a little more and maybe why it was a little weird, but it was certainly an interesting week. Yeah, and as we go through these recaps, we're also going to be identifying players who performed well that you should be looking for as your waiver claims come up. Most leagues have their waivers go through on Wednesday morning. That's why we're getting this show out to you on Tuesday morning so that you can get yourself ready, make your claims, and uh, start climbing up that that leaderboard on the on your league website. Um, we're going to kind of take it game by game just like we did with the preview, but I think it's going to go a little quicker. We'll start with that opener. Uh, the Chiefs come into New England. They go on a 28-3 run yes. to end the game. Oh, the irony. You're right. Uh, and they beat the Patriots at home the first time Bill Belichick and Tom Brady have lost their home opener after winning the Super Bowl. Uh, my big question that came out of this game is, is Tyreek Hill matchup proof? I think the answer to that at this point has to be yes. Yeah. Um, as long as he's wide open, which it seems like the Chiefs were able to scheme him to be wide open, and he's able to get that separation even without that help. Um, I noticed a lot. They moved him in motion, which I thought was great. It got him moving pre-play, and it really set him up to have a big game. Yeah, they, they really packaged him open, and that mm-hmm. was awesome to see because – New England has, I think, the most intelligent defense that the Chiefs are going to face this year. Maybe not the best talent-wise, but certainly they have the best ability to scheme players out of the game. And I particularly fell victim to it. I thought for sure the Patriots were going to try to get Tyreek Hill out of this game completely. And so I benched him. And I'm probably going to end up losing in the league because of it. But And so that's kind of what I think. I was like, if I'm, if I'm going to regret playing him against the Patriots... I'm rolling him out every single place I can. Another guy that we're definitely going to roll out every week this from this point on is Kareem Hunt. He went absolutely bonkers. Naughty. 248 total yards, two receiving touchdowns, one on a beautiful 78-yard pass where he ran the angle route and just 
dusted Cassius Marks on the Patriots. It was awesome to watch. A big coming out party, and you couldn't have been happier for the guy. He fumbles his first carry in the NFL, and they lose the fumble. Looked like the Patriots were going to run away with that game in the first quarter. The defense of Kansas City held up as as well as it could. And, you know, it's it, let's switch now to the Patriots because Tom Brady just never looked right. And I think that was like an overall theme that I noticed this week is we just had a lot of teams whose offenses never really got into a rhythm. And I think that's why those teams ended up losing. And one of them in particular was the Patriots. Yeah, I think the uh, Chiefs did a good job at halftime against them and uh, really started to get some pressure on them. I think... The biggest takeaway with the offenses that struggled was it hinges a lot on the offensive line problems that a lot of teams had. Um, I think Brady just was way more inconsistent than we expected. Maybe a little preseason jitters coming off that championship, which would be surprising for him. But he is still human, so I expect them to bounce back in a big way next week. And you know, with the Patriots, you can kind of wash this week. They they didn't play great. They lost Hightower on defense, and I think next week it will be a get-right week for them. Yeah, Danny Amendola looked very good. He had six catches for 100 yards, then ended up leaving with a concussion. And that's something that you need to notice because that's more catches for James White. And I think it's more time in the slot for Brandon Cooks, which could be a really big headache for a lot of NFL defenses. It wasn't the explosion that we were hoping for from the Patriots, but I think it's coming soon. Yeah, I'm not panicking on any of their players. Yeah, I'm not panicking yet either. Not at all. Did you sit Gillisley anywhere? Because I know a lot of people did. I don't have Gillisley anywhere. I found it interesting that nobody really brought up that he scored three one-yard touchdowns from three pass interferences in the end zone during that game. So that's something to look out for for Gillisley. That's not going to happen every week for New England. Absolutely. Uh, Let's move on now. This game we can touch on very quickly. We thought the Bills were going to beat the Jets. We thought it was going to be because they were going to run Shady heavy. They ran Shady heavy. They won 21-12. Shady actually doesn't get into the end zone there, but he does pretty much everything else. Tyrod Taylor gets a couple passing touchdowns. Uh, The Bills kick a couple field goals, and the Jets look like the Jets. Yeah, the Jets were bad. Um, No surprise there. They didn't use Bilal Powell anywhere near as much as I thought they were going to. I hope that's something that they will change because he was still even effective in the limited carries that he got. Um, Shady literally made this game move. Without Shady, this game would have just been one punt after the next. And luckily, (laughs) he was there to keep it going for the Bills fans. It was a very ugly game. And it's kind of what we expected. A fantasy gift that continues to give. A lot of people ended up with Shady in the middle of the first round, uh, and he outperformed every running back that was drafted ahead of him. And Tyrod saved his day with a couple short touchdowns, but they were entirely set up by McCoy. Moving on now to one of the more surprising results of the weekend. Jacksonville goes into Houston and absolutely smothers the Texans. Saxonville, baby. They They just got so many sacks. Their defensive line, Coughlin's uh, boosted physicality in the the culture change, seems like it really paid off week one because, boy, did they just run right after the quarterback, tee through the line, and then they just pounded it straight up the middle on offense. Yeah, that and that's let's go, let's talk about that Jaguars offense because it's now going to look a lot different than we expected it to. Allen Robinson catches a twenty yard pass on the first play of the game, looks to be in his two thousand fifteen dominant form, and he ends up tearing his ACL. You saw the unfortunate video of Blake Bortles coming over to console him and hitting him in that left knee that he had just injured. He can't win, Uh, especially now because it looks like they are really going to commit to Leonard Fournette as the centerpiece of that offense. 
if they hadn't already. This is a guy who got 25 carries and four catches. That totals 29 touches. That's more than David Johnson had. That's more than Le'Veon Bell had. And he turned it into 100 yards, a couple, and, and a touchdown. Yeah. And so, uh, he looked great, I think. You know, it's interesting to see how many times they're going to have that strategy of giving him 33 carries and if he'll be able to handle that. But he sure looked great handling it yesterday. Um, Couple of guys looking forward to the Allen Robin injury. Injury, excuse me. You're looking at Hearns and you're looking at Marquise Lee. Um, at this point, I don't think they gave enough throw volume in the first game for me to waste a waiver claim on them. So maybe wait to see if one of them clears and then pick one up. Allen Robinson's more of a, or I'm sorry, Allen Hearns is more of a second receiver. I think Marquise Lee is going to step into that number one receiver yeah. role. It's a shame that this team lost D.D. Westbrook to IR before this season even started because he would have been really primed for a breakout. Um, but I agree, Scott. I think it's basically a coin flip between Hearns and Marquise Lee for who the Jaguars receiver that you want to own in Allen Robinson's stead is. I just feel really bad for Allen Robinson. He looked great in the preseason. They looked like they were going to feature him a lot. He was in a contract year, and I just hope that he can come back and and you know get it, get himself another contract, get himself maybe on another team, and just show everybody how talented he actually is. We wish him a speedy recovery. Agreed. Let's move on now to a game that was a lot closer than everybody thought it would be, but the, it still came with this expected result. The Steelers go into Cleveland. They beat the Browns. Ben Roethlisberger has now won more games in Cleveland than any Browns quarterback since 1999. Hashtag stats. Antonio Brown, 11 targets, 11 catches, 182 yards. He looked amazing. Le'Veon Bell, I warned you for the week one preview, there might be some signs of rust. It looked a little rusty for him. He still showed some some flashes, but you know the Steelers are kind of working in progress, and they were lucky enough to play the Browns. And you know I don't think Deshaun Kaiser quite figured out how to win yet. No, not yet, but I thought it was a pretty encouraging fantasy performance. Absolutely. Out of he threw a touchdown. He ran a touchdown in. This is a guy that um, I think I'm going to start paying attention to as even a possible streamer. I mean, the game scripts look like they're going to be throwing a lot, and he really didn't look that bad against the Steelers' defense that is pretty good. Um, I really liked what I saw from him. He did throw a pick and took a couple of bad sacks, but that's those are the things that get better over time. Right. And, you know, you talk about a streaming option. We just got a report that Andrew Luck might not be back until October. Right. So, so you're going to need somebody. And especially if you're in a two quarterback league, like there are not a lot of quarterbacks left in those free agent pools right now. If Kaiser's out there, he's a great option. And he's probably going to be very cheap in dailies as well. Yeah. And he looked good running the ball, which is always a good sign. What'd you make of Corey Coleman? I like the, I like that pairing and it seems like he already took that number one role from Kenny Britt which a lot of people thought that he was going to assume I think that it might get a little more evened out during the year but um I like Coleman and uh you know if you like Kaiser like I do you kind of have to like Coleman yeah uh the Arizona Cardinals had a 17 to 7 lead going into the going into the second half of their game against the Lions. Lions got him right Detroit, where they want him then. Yeah, Matt Stafford <laughs> had him right where he wanted him. Detroit goes 28 unanswered. Two touchdowns to our boy, Kenny Galladay. That's right. A great catch and run by Theo Riddick, and I believe they got a defensive one as well. Yes, they did. A so, late one. Yeah, a very late one. So Lions end up winning 35-23. Stafford looks awesome. Kenny Galladay looks great, and their backfield looks very muddled. 
yeah, their backfield does look very muddled, but you know, there's Theo Riddick again with six catches. So looking like your your full point PPR, even your half point PPR bet coming out of that backfield. Of course, we're pumped on Galladay. Um, I, I'm ready to anoint him your number one waiver wire receiver pickup. I think there's some running backs that I like more than him, but if he's out there for you, go grab him because he won more snaps this week with what he did. He he was battling with uh, TJ Jones, I believe, for snaps, and I think that he he won some this week with Absolutely. that beautiful diving touchdown that he had. Yeah, his second touchdown was a beautiful diving touchdown. His first was just a straight up goal line fade where he where he just manhandled his defender, and he looked incredible in that second half really got his sea legs he had a rocky first half but that second half he really took off I think an encouraging sign too um for the Lions is Marvin Jones scored a touchdown in that game also so people were worried about will Marvin Jones kind of get more touchdowns it seems like he still could and Galladay could still be very effective and Golden Tate had eight catches yeah, two of the top five receivers this week were on the lines with Galladay and Golden Tate. Just like we all planned. That's right. Uh, we unfortunately have to move to some really sad news for the Cardinals. Uh, David Johnson, it looks like he is going to miss multiple weeks. It could be multiple months. It could be the entire season. Uh, makes an incredible leaping catch and then gets destroyed from the side by a, a uh, Lions defensive back. Turns out he dislocated his wrist. It looked like they just popped it back in and sent him out there, and he had just had no strength in it. Right. He fumbles his next carry, doesn't come back in the game. Uh, he had, I think it was uh, eight carries and eight catches. So he had mm-hmm. 16 touches, was well on his way to that volume. People were taking him with the number one overall pick that they were expecting to get. He was expecting on to get. On the same drive, his yeah. backup comes in, Carlin Williams, and scores a touchdown. So David Johnson was well on pace to being David Johnson once more. Um, in his wake, it seems as though people generally believe Kerwin Williams is the guy to pick up, and I do believe that he's the guy to pick up this week. I'm just not really sure that he's he's obviously not going to be David Johnson. So I've also read reports that there's going to be a you know a committee approach where Ellington will handle the passing work. Yeah, so snapped Williams after Johnson. Yeah, so Ellington I think is a great PPR look. Um, and then Kerwin Williams might be more of an all-around guy. And I read, I believe his name's Perry. He's like a short yardage guy that got mixed in. So yeah. it seems like we're going to a rotation here. For me, I always tend to go towards the pass catchers in a rotation because I play in half PPR, full PPR leagues. So I would probably look toward Ellington. But Kerwin Williams seems like he's going to get get some work. Yeah, I just they've already talked about bringing back Chris Johnson. So I'm not really even sure. If you're a David Johnson owner, obviously – you're in full-on panic mode. You don't know what you're doing. Uh, I'm a, I'm a David Johnson owner. I don't know what I'm doing yet, but I feel like my replacement for David Johnson is not going to be a player on the Cardinals. It's going to have to be one of these other running backs that we're going to mention later in the show. Um, if you want to add Kerwin, Kerwin Williams, go for it, but you know you can't plan on David Johnson for week two and possibly even further down the road. And don't think that Kerwin Williams is the the replacement to David Johnson. There is no replacement to David Absolutely Johnson. Absolutely not. Moving on now, the Fal- another game that was closer than expected, but the result was exactly what we expected. Uh, the Falcons beat the Bears twenty three to seventeen in Chicago. Chicago unleashed a brand new weapon in Tariq Cohen. Oh, yeah. He looks like he's going to be a must-add for fantasy owners. Catching touchdowns, had a couple of great runs. He didn't really cut into Jordan Howard's snaps fully, although he does look like he's going to be a factor on that offense for the rest of the year. This is my favorite pick of the week, and I, I love it. I was watching him in awe 
while I was watching Red Zone and they would show his highlights because, you know, I don't want to just compare him to Sproles just because of his size. Um, because I think that he does a lot of things like Sproles um, other than just being small and very quick. He actually runs with some pretty good power. He was breaking some tackles yesterday. This guy caught eight passes. They just lost Kevin White, so there's going to be targets to go around, and he's he proved that he's going to be one of the ball movers yeah. for Chicago, so I think they're going to start to get him more involved in the playbook, and you could see him playing receiver probably this year. You're going to see him playing running back and getting the, some carries, so I love Cohen. Yeah, I think it's going to be difficult for Jordan Howard owners to watch Tariq Cohen this year. Uh, he, I think, has clearly established himself as their passing down back. You know, he had eight catches, caught a receiving touchdown. Jordan Howard dropped what would have been a game-winning touchdown. Yes, that would have been one of the bigger upsets of this season if he hauled it in. This Jordan Howard, don't forget, led the NFL in drops for a running back last year. So, listen, he was running really hard as well. Like, I'm not yeah. saying anything against Jordan Howard. He had a really good game. But, you know, Tariq Cohen is going to give Jordan Howard owners headaches, especially those who took him, you know, in that second or late first, early second round. Um, let's move over to the Falcons now. Devontae Freeman gets the backfield touchdown. He outsnapped Tevin Coleman by a pretty good margin, but only outtouched him 14 to 12. So they do look like they're going to keep their backs involved. Right. Um, it was a really weird game. It was. For Atlanta, they just never really got it. But we did get that long Austin Hooper touchdown, uh, the 88-yarder. What um, a play that was. Oh, my God. And uh, I saw an interview after uh, Hooper. They asked him about it, and he was like, to be honest with you, I kind of blacked out for a little while there. And Matt Ryan was like, hey, why don't you try blacking out a little more often? It was just – that stiff army put. I think that guy's still in the ground. It's still in the field. Yeah, he that got was buried. impressive. I think Hooper kind of played his way into an addable role if, he, if he's – on the waiver right now for your tight ends because um, tight end is looking just as murky as it was last year. As always. Um, I will say, like, you know, there were only two catches for Hooper, but he was averaging 60 yards a catch. Two catches, 128 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, you can't count on that yards per catch number every week, but you can certainly count on him getting looks from Matt Ryan, especially now that he has seen on the field in a regular season game what this guy is capable of doing. Right. And don't forget, Austin Hooper caught a really long touchdown in the Super Bowl as well. Um, one more question about the Falcons. Do they hate Julio Jones or do they mega hate Julio Jones? It's just so crazy that a guy like that can only get five targets. I think that, like you said, I'm going to kind of chalk it up to them being out of rhythm, and actually Chicago did a pretty good job against other teams' number one receivers last year. Seems like like that kind of carried over into this year. Um, I expect a bounce back from Julio. Of course, it's I expect more out of him on my teams, but you know there will be brighter days. Yeah, a receiver that we were we've been expecting more from for the last couple of years, and actually kind of saw glimpses that we might get it this year happen in the Raiders Titans game. First drive of the game, they get Amari Cooper in the red zone on a slant. He scores on a very fluky touchdown, but he scores in the red zone nonetheless. You know, did that break down the dam, and, and now we're ready for a flood. Not really sure, because later in the game, they had a drive on the one. They target Amari Cooper three straight times, all three incomplete. Two um, drops. Yeah, and with two drops. Yeah. The pessimist says Amari Cooper can't catch. The optimist says you got to love the opportunities they're giving him. Of course. Um, just overall, Oakland came out and just took this game from Tennessee. They looked great. Marshawn Lynch looks to be like a great missing piece that that offense had. Derek Carr looked very poised. He fed Crabtree. He fed Cook. And, of course, he fed Cooper on the touchdown. And, you know, the Raiders came out, and like I said, they just took this game from Tennessee. 
Yeah, Marshawn just looked so good. I thought he did. He, he really did. He really looked so good, and he was running so hard when he ran over uh, Jarrell Casey on that one run. He just Ooh. bowled him over, and that is no small man. Um, you know, with the Crab- the Crabtree Cooper thing, we're gonna be going back and forth on this all year because yeah, Cooper had the better fantasy day, but Crabtree gets more yards on less targets and more catches on less targets so it's just such a it's going to be an interesting dynamic with them all year um moving over to the titans uh if you don't if Corey davis is available i think you got to pick him up absolutely because he looked really good yesterday he made a really nice play on the ball and it seems like there's plenty of volume to go around in that offense yeah he certainly looked like he made some catches that earned marcus Mariota's trust throughout the course of this game um Eric Decker didn't look quite as comfortable, unfortunately. Rashard Matthews and Delaney Walker looked like they were ready to right. do what it was that they did last year. Uh, DeMarco Murray looked pretty good, but because they were down, the Titans threw a lot, and they just looked a little out of sync. Their lone touchdown came on a Marcus Mariota rush. So those of you who took Mariota as your quarterback, you know, kudos to you. That he ended up having a good day. He ended up having a pretty good day. Um, and I think we just think that, you know, the Titans offense, they're going to get it figured out. I love both of these teams for fantasy and for real life purposes. And I'm very happy that we were just able to see this game this early in the season to get a gauge on both of them. It was a close, well-played game, and I expect them both to be very good this year. For sure. Uh, let's move on now to the only shutout. And I think it's like the first week, uh, it's the first week one shutout in a very long time. The Ravens go into Cincinnati and blank the Bengals, who looked worse than maybe anyone in the league There's no uh, maybe. yesterday. There yeah. is no maybe. Andy Dalton looked lost he out there. He went nuclear. Yeah, four INTs, and some of them were not even close, yeah. just making poor reads. It just looked like a really ugly day. And for the Ravens, you know, cue the, cue the sad music. But uh, Danny Woodhead goes down a Again. Announced today he's out indefinitely with a hamstring injury. Oh, my God. And, of course, there he was, first drive. One catch after the next, looking like Danny Woodhead of old, and he goes down. I think Buck Allen is a guy that I'm picking up over Kerwin Williams. Um, I'm picking up over some of those guys, anyone other than Cohen, really, because it shows that that role is going to get work. The and last, if he could step up and do it. you know. Yeah, the last year that they featured – Buck Allen as their pass catching back was in 2015. He was injured last year. He led the NFL in, in uh, catches per game as a running back. We know Flacco loves the check down guy. If it looks like it's going to become Javorius Allen, he needs to be the guy you add. He out carried Terrence West at the end of that right. game as well. So I just think he's a guy you got to look at, particularly if you just lost David Johnson. On the other side, uh, sticking with the Ravens, because there's really nothing to talk about Cincinnati, everybody looked terrible. Yes. Um, Jeremy Macklin caught a very nice 48-yard touchdown. Looked like he meshed really well with him. Didn't see a lot of Mike Wallace but or Brashad Perriman, but you know at least the Ravens look like they know what they're doing on offense because Cincinnati clearly didn't. I think that the Ravens were just pounding them, and they kind of noticed that Dalton really didn't stand a chance against Baltimore's defense. So they just started running the ball over and over and over again. There were 40 combined carries between Terrence West and Buck Allen. So... That's not a typical Ravens game script. They're normally throw, throw, throw. I think you're going to see more of that once a team gives them a better test. Yeah, Flacco threw 17 passes, which is the fewest he's thrown since they beat the Patriots in the playoffs uh, when they made their magical run, which I thought was very interesting. Uh, Another little hashtag stats for you. Danny Woodhead is still the leading, the team leader in catches for the Baltimore Ravens. I think they just did that as a, as a, 
as a sign of respect for him. I yeah, think. they just said That's they just stopped throwing to honor him. Yeah, must have been. <laughs> uh, so we're moving on now. The Eagles come in and put a hurting on the Redskins. This game was not without its controversy, though. Uh, it really looked like Kirk Cousins threw an incomplete pass that was ruled a fumble, returned for a touchdown by Fletcher Cox. The Eagles' defense had a great day yesterday. They, even before that Fletcher Cox play, they had a bunch of sacks. They had a couple picks. Um, the Washington looked, un, again, like a team that just wasn't in their rhythm, although Pryor got a lot of targets, didn't convert on a lot of them, but you know the volume is what we were hoping right. for, and he got it. Uh, Chris Thompson scores the lone uh, offensive touchdown for Washington. I thought that was very interesting. Uh, but let's flip over to the Eagles because Carson Wentz looked like an NFL quarterback again uh, on Sunday. I was very impressed with Wentz. I thought he played great. Um, his manipulation of the pocket, especially on that deep throw to Aguilar, was awesome. I think that that is, an, is a pairing that you have to start to look for, is that Wentz to Aguilar. Wentz loves throwing in the middle of the field, slot receiver, tight end. He loves hitting Ertz, and I think Aguilar is going to see a lot of targets this year and is going to be able to produce. Um, and Wentz is climbing up my board steadily. He's a guy that, if you have Andrew Luck, um, I'm not opposed to you picking him up and maybe even starting him for the duration of Andrew Luck's injury because just of how well it seems that he's progressed. Absolutely. Let's move to the 4 o'clock games, and this one, honestly, all the 4 o'clock games seem pretty ugly to me. But most ugly of all, the Rams go and host their home opener. Their young coach, who basically graduated college like a week ago, uh, he gets his first win. They win 46-9 to against the Colts. The Colts get a pity Marlon Mack touchdown at the end that nobody cares about. Um they looked hapless, and I put out a tweet when they announced that Luck was going to miss extended time. I said, you have to stream the defense that plays the Colts. And the Rams backed me up with two defensive touchdowns, a safety, sacks everywhere. Yeah, You know, it's just they were all over the Colts, and oh, yeah, the Colts get Arizona next week if there was ever a team that needed a, a cupcake win. Um, but let's stick with the Rams because what I really liked from this game, number one, Todd Gurley gets a ton of touches, wasn't as effective in a yards per carry um, perspective, but he certainly set the tone for that offense. They stuck with him the whole time. There was no like, oh, like let's go to Trey Mason or Benny Cunningham or whoever they've got back right. there. It was the Todd Gurley show in the backfield. And our boy, how many times do we have to say it? The Moscow Mule Cooper Cup led the team in catches, scored a touch scored the only receiving touchdown for the team. Uh, he's a must own. I don't. There's no other way to say it. He's a must own. Agreed. I think he's a must own receiver too. It, what, no matter what size league you're in, Goff that trust that he built through the preseason and through camp was reflected the first week of the season. Um, I'll tell you what. I was impressed with Jared Goff. Me too. And yeah, they played the Colts, who look like they're going to be the worst team in the NFL. Their defense did not look all that great. But um, the fact of the matter is, is Goff went out there and really delivered in this new offense, and he got Woods involved, he got Watkins involved, he got Cup involved, he got Gurley involved, he got a little, a little bit of the new tight end Everett mixed in. You know, he was getting everybody involved. I thought it was a great tee up game for him, and I think that he's also on my list of guys that I like. If if you know you have Andrew Luck and you need a guy for next week, Goff plays Washington. I think it's not a terrible matchup. For Absolutely, because he plays. Washington's defense will now play another second-year quarterback. They just played Wentz. Now they play right. Goff. Um, what I really, what should really be impressive about Jared Goff's performance, 
everybody last year was saying that he was only taking the short throws. Well, yesterday he was seven of ten on throws that were on on passes that were thrown ten yards or more in the air, and that was where he got his touchdown at Cooper Cup. So it looks like we are seeing a different Rams offense. I thought Sammy Watkins did look very good. He did. Out of all the first year receivers with a new team, I thought he looked the best, and I didn't really think it was particularly close. Yeah, he um, looked good. And for the Colts, I mean, we we tried to tell you that they were going to be garbage. Without Andrew Luck, they looked like yeah. garbage. T.Y. Hilton loses a fumble. Frank Gore, Marlon Mack, whoever they put in the backfield wasn't very effective. Jack Doyle had two catches, two impressive catches on their on their second drive, and then completely disappeared. And Dante Moncrief had a, had a long t- uh, catch from Jacoby Brissett, but now we don't really even know who's playing quarterback. So yeah. it's a mess in Indianapolis, and if you can avoid it, you need to at all costs. Yeah, I agree with you. I would, I would hope for uh, Brissett to come in if I was an owner of – anybody on the Colts yeah so let's move now to the other game that was played in California by the way I don't know if you saw the stands for both of those games but it was empty yes it was such a hot day in California I feel bad for the fans who had tickets and we're just like I can't go to this we're gonna like sweat our butts off yeah but anyway um Carolina goes in and beats San Francisco 23 to 3 uh, that field goal that they had came very late, too. This was looking like a shutout for most of it. Uh, Panthers were dominant. Cam did yep. Cam threw a touchdown. Um, I don't even remember the guy's name. Shepard. Yeah, Russell Shepard yep. it was. And uh, and Jonathan Stewart. He also threw one to Jonathan Stewart. Cam looked which horrible, he... I thought. Really? Yes, I really thought he looked horrible. He missed a lot of throws. Um, even the throw to, to Shepard was a vast underthrow. Um, I thought he looked bad. I thought he looked really rusty, but... For lucky for him, he got to play the 49ers. Um, it was encouraging to see Stewart and McCaffrey work pretty well together. McCaffrey yeah. still ended up with uh, over 80 total yards, and Stewart scored, so that was encouraging. But you know, Benjamin didn't do much. What uh, Olsen didn't do much, and that's a sign of Cam just not being ready for the season. Yeah, and you know, you got. I think we're going to start to wonder if he continues to be this ineffective. If maybe the Panthers should have taken you know, the Colts approach and just keep him out and wait till he's ready because this is a guy they're invested in multiple years now. Right. It's not just this year that they have to think about with Cam. But, you know, like you said, Christian McCaffrey, for those of us who are invested in him heavily and invested in him early, he looked great. He dominated the running back snaps with Stewart. There are even some snaps where they had both of those guys on the field. Right. So it looks like he's going to be a featured part of the offense. He'll get more effective as he gets his, you know, his NFL legs, if we're going to call it that. And I think he's he's eventually going to be quite the option. Yeah, and he's just going to need the continuity of reps with Cam Newton because Cam wasn't around all preseason, so it's tough. Um, for the 49ers, I really, I really was encouraged by the performance out of Garcon. Okay. Um, their offense was pretty horrible, and he still turned in a pretty good fantasy day. So I'm thinking that he's probably going to be startable mostly every week. For sure. I also was very impressed with Carlos Hyde. He set a career high with receptions last night. Right. So you know that's got to be very encouraging because he really wasn't used as a passing down option in previous years. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, what a turnaround. You can't say it enough. We thought Carlos Hyde was going to get cut, and he's clearly the bell cow in San Francisco. Right. You just got to hope that they can continue to – improve so that he can really showcase his talent get some more red zone touches speaking of showcasing talents um Aaron Rodgers looked about as dominant as you could in a 17 to 9 game he really controlled that game from the get-go but so did Green Bay's defense they go in and they hold Seattle to zero touchdowns and I got a stat for you here in their in their last 10 true road games 
the Seattle Seahawks have not scored a touchdown in four of those games. So we've talked about the wow. home road splits between Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger. All of a sudden, maybe we need to start talking about those splits with Russell Wilson as well because he did not look good. He was running for his life. That offensive line, against all odds, might look worse this year than yep. it did last year. That's the real problem, I think. I mean, Wilson was in panic mode the whole time. Again, we all kind of expected them to have a little bit more continuity on that line, and they looked like a mess. Jimmy Graham couldn't even catch a pass beyond the line of scrimmage. <laughs> he had two catches, I think, and both of them were behind the line of scrimmage when he caught them because Wilson was so backed up that, you know, on offense, they're just going to be so inconsistent with that line play, I think. The only encouraging sign for them was Chris Carson ran hard. He did, and Eddie Lacy did not. He kind of, a lot of people on Twitter were saying, including ourselves, like, is there anything left in his tank? Because it just doesn't look like he has that NFL gear anymore. And it's really sad to see because, you know, like he had a very, you know, brief time in the spotlight with uh, Green Bay. And, you know, you were hoping he'd turn it around, but he really, it, it just did not look good. The Packers, like I said, dominated this game. Um, you know, there's just not a lot to say about it. Yeah, except I really, I was enthused by Chris Carson. I think yeah. he deserves an ad. Ty Montgomery gets a touchdown for the Packers as well. Um, they look like they're really committed to him. He played yeah, that 90, was encouraging. Played 90% of the running back snaps. And he and got an injury for a little while that kept him on the sideline just for a couple plays. So yep. conceivably, if he didn't get that little tweak, he would have been out there for even more than 90%. Yeah, of we could have been talking 92, 95% of the snaps. Uh, and Rodgers does get his free play touchdown to Jordy Nelson. Of course. It's just, it's just so cool. It's like watching a beautiful poem being written right yeah, in front awesome. of you. Um, but let's move now. Another ugly one. Uh, Dallas comes in and just dismantles and exposes the Giants. I, I, with Cincinnati looking the way that they looked, it's difficult for me to say this, but I don't really know how you could look worse as an offense than the Giants did last night. It took them until halfway through the second quarter to cross their own 30-yard line. Yeah, I It think took them that, until uh... the second half to score. They didn't get in the end zone. Brandon Marshall had one catch in a meaningless throw at the end of the game. I will say the tight end, Evan Engram, four catches for 44 yards, looked pretty good. But, I mean, what on earth are the Giants going to yeah. look like? I think if you watched a little more of the uh, Bengals game, you know, you had to watch every play of the agonizing <laughs> Giants offense. Um, I'm not Eli, watching that. That's what I need red zone for. Right. <laughs> Eli just looked so bad without Odell out there that – it's so obvious this whole offense is just hanging on him for any chance they get. They even add Brandon Marshall, and he can't even catch a pass. Like, oh, my God. They just look so bad. I agree with you. I think that the only encouraging sign was Vereen just because, you know, they had so many dink and dunk plays that he actually had a good fantasy day. He really did, yeah. Yeah, and another one, old standby Jason Witten. Shout out to Tom yeah, <laughs> for for pointing him out along with some other tight ends that had good weeks um, this week. Charles um, Clay got the touchdown. Charles Clay, Hooper, Tom was on a lot too, but um, Witten really looked great, I thought. and yeah. He's uh, a giant killer. You know, it's interesting. I, I like to see what you think about this. Um, is Des Bryant a top flight receiver for you anymore? Um, you know, it's tough because I think, I think Janoris Jenkins is for real, and right. he proved that last year. So that's a tough matchup. Um, you know, I think, yes, he can be. I think him and Dak definitely have a chemistry, and they showed that at the end of last year. He's a top-flight receiver for me. In the leagues that I have him, though, 
I in the one league I have him, I made sure that my next pick was a receiver because I wasn't too comfortable right. having him as that number one guy. Unfortunately, in that league, the other guy I ended up with was Doug Baldwin, who also underperformed last right. week, last night. But I, I do think he's still top. He's certainly top flight talent. I'm not sure if he's top flight opportunity because right. even That's with what I think all too. of the controversy, they gave Zeke as many opportunities as possible. Really, the only thing Ezekiel Elliott didn't do last night was score. Yeah, he had a great game. And, you know, Dez is not a chain mover for them. Cole Beasley is, and, and Zeke is, and, and Witten Terrence is, Williams and Terrence Williams was last night. And I'm watching the game, and I'm thinking about it today, and I'm saying to myself, where is Dez, you know, between the 20s? Because they throw him the ball on the goal line, and it almost seems like that was it. Almost like they're doing it out of pity. Yeah, you know, and he's a great 50-50 ball receiver, one of the best in the league because of his strength and his leaping ability, but it seemed like it seems like that's what he's become. Yeah, it does look a little bleak for Dez right now. And this is actually a guy who based on Pro Football Focus grades has the most difficult schedule for a for a top receiver in the NFL. You got to think they're going to get um they're going to get the Giants again. I think they, they you know, they're they're a first place team, so they're going to have some really premier matchups and you know, the good teams have guys that can shut down your number one receiver. So Dez is going to really need to start winning some more of these before we can consider him, like you said, in that top 12 echelon. Right. Because certainly he's not there right now. Right. And he play, he faces Denver next week. That's going to be trouble. Right. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's actually going to wrap it up. Any uh, any preview of the two Monday night games that are about to happen? Um, excited for both. I think that... The Vikings are going to hold pretty strong against Breeze in the first half, and then Breeze will start to take advantage. I like the Saints close in that game. Uh, Moving on to the night game, I actually like the Chargers. Me too. I do. I think that Phil is going to go into a game manager mode. We're going to see a lot of carries from Melvin Gordon, and we're going to see a lot of targets to Hunter Henry and Antonio Gates because Denver seems as though on the outside they're just too tough to beat. Absolutely. And I like the Chargers defense. I think they're going to give Simeon some problems. Yeah, it was a tough week for fantasy owners. We hope those of you who are listening, you were able to survive, get the season off on the right track, get that first week win. Uh, you know, it's coming down to the wire for a couple of my matchups, so I'm, I'm freaking out. Uh, I spent all day yelling at the TV. I'm sure you can hear it at my voice. Um, but it was a great weekend. It's great to have football back. And Scott, before we go, tell me the number one waiver wire ad for this week. Um, For me, it's Definitely Cohen. I lo- I just loved what I saw from him. Um, and other than him, Galladay as the receiver probably. Oh. And then even looking to uh, tight end, you know, the guys that Tom said, really. Uh, Witten, Clay, and Hooper all looked good. And then lastly, just touching on on quarterbacks real quick, the guys I like for week two, luck fillers. Um, Rivers plays Miami. Uh, I actually like Carson Palmer in a bounce back against Indy. Um, and I think Alex Smith deserves another shot against Philly to uh, see how he goes. No Darby, so I think the secondary could be opened up for him. Yeah, it certainly could be. And after Darby's injury, it was really when Washington kind of started to open up that passing game. So we'll see how it goes. Thank you very much, Scott. Expert analysis, as always. Thank you. Tom, we're sure you would have added a lot more if you were here. We're thinking of you. We can't wait to get back in the studio with you. Sorely missed. And we can't wait to be in your headphones again. Remember, check out the Week 2 preview on Thursday, and we'll see you then. But until next time, keep scoring.